Episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667 or visit their website www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 15. This week I caught up with Steve Mazik. Steve's in Sydney, he's building a 1952 Chevy pickup truck. It's an Aussie cab and uh, on original chassis and he's slamming this thing to, to lay frames. So it was great to have a chat to him. He's uh, his best mate's helping him out tom brown so tom and steve both got on board and had a chat to us about their build and uh really good looking truck you know i've been following steve's build on facebook for a while and seeing him post up his progress pictures and the truck's not finished yet we're going to keep in keep in touch and and watch him finish up this build but really good to hear all his experiences so far and and just how you know two mates out in the shed plodding along getting the truck built it's fantastic so here's uh here's the boys and enjoy the podcast all right, guys. Thanks for coming on board the podcast and having a chat to us, um, Steve. Why don't Why don't you start off and uh, give us a bit of a background on on your, you know, first automotive memory? What What sparked the fire for you, mate? Yeah, thanks for having us, mate. Um, yeah, look, uh, for someone that's building a big block Chev at the moment, uh, where I started out was very different to uh, where I ended up. Uh, my first car was actually a two thousand and five Subaru Impreza GX. Uh, it was unfortunate when I was coming up through the ranks that there was a lot of uh, stringent laws around turbos and V8s and uh, yeah, P-platers weren't allowed to drive them. So I had this uh, decked out GX uh, Subaru Impreza and that's where it all started for me. Um, I didn't start at a very young age. My family weren't really into the motor enthusiast industry. Um, and uh, yeah, it started when I got me, me L's and fell in love with the uh, import scene and got this cool little Subaru uh, GX and put a WRX body kit on it and neon lights. It's a bit embarrassing, I like to think now, but uh, back then that's what it got me into it. But, uh, yeah, that's where it all started for me and went to the the Bunnings car park meets and started to see some cool bagged cars and really got interested in just how they were, you know, how it even happened. In my mind, I couldn't understand how could a car go from 200 mil off the deck to be throwing sparks driving down the main road. So... Then I uh, sort of fell in love with the the bag scene and, you know, uh, started going out to mini truck meets here and there, little bits here and there, and, yeah, just got a love for the cars. But for me, um, yeah, it was not until a teenage, teenage years where I started to fall in love with cars. Yeah, cool. And was that a was that a two-litre Impreza or was it a 3.5? Nah, mate, it was the two-litre, mate. It was the bottom of the barrel. But, uh, yeah, I uh, had the green neons and the hood scoop and the – TV screens and you know the typical sex spec you know look you know as that's what I think that would say the quarterback in the day um but look we all started somewhere and you know whether it's in the tuna scene or the 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 v8 scene or you know nostalgic scene like you got to start somewhere and it's a passion and you know that's where it started for me and yeah I would never change it 
No, that's awesome. And and so did you did you get yourself a little hilapse or a rodeo? Did you get into the mini truck scene? No, look, I didn't actually because uh, I had a pretty strict upbringing where my old man hated custom cars unless it was a, a brand new Toyota Camry or something like that. He was, uh, you know, a Toyota Hilux brand new. That's all he had time for. So, you know, it wasn't until I sort of linked up with Tom where he, you know, exposed me to, you know, how cool mini trucks and, and bagged cars and big blocks was. And then, yeah, until I kind of got my own on my own two feet and got on, got my own house and my own property and built a shed, I... I kind of got the balls and went went out and bought something, you know. So yeah, I was more of an onlooker than a in the scene, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. But always formulating a bit of a dream in your head. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, look, there was always dream uh, cars. I, I I actually despised V8s when I was coming up. My attitude was, why would you want a big liter motor when you can get a two liter that'll beat it in the quarter mile, you know, with a big turbo? And then. You know, I got into a V8 one day and as an older, you know, in my 20s and said, why would I want a two-litre? <laughs> when you felt that torque and, you know, felt the pull of that big motor and it just changed me instantly and I've never looked back since. Yeah, it's it's different. But I've got a little um, RX Impreza. It's a two-litre. It's, it's an old 98 model. But because um, we live right at the base of the mountains here in the snowfields, it's uh it's perfect just because you you don't have to put the chains on because it's all wheel drive and you know it rails the corners and I've had that thing for ten years and it's never skipped a beat so yeah not not the fastest car in the world but but pretty economical and pretty bomb proof so oh mate I used to put this thing in the corners and I you know go around a wet bend with you know two fingers on the steering wheel and I wouldn't wouldn't even be concerned of it sliding out compared to a rear wheel drive car so you know it probably as a young kid it was probably a safe car for me to actually start out in because uh. All I ever wanted to do was put it sideways, and it was it was pretty difficult without the horsepower behind it and an all drive car to do that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. No, that's cool. And uh, here with Tom, Tom's a good mate of yours that's helping you out with the build. Um, tell us a bit about your backstory. Tom sounds like you're the you're the big influencer here. Uh, yeah, mate. Yeah, I was kind of unlike Steve. I was kind of born and raised into it. So, dad was dad's been part of a hot rod club since he was in his twenties, and. So all the Valor runs and all the hot rod runs that we used to do when I was a, a young fella in the in the late 90s sort of era, we'd go out on Valor runs and, yeah, kind of hot rod scene was where I started and uh, the passion to cars has gone since then. So when I bought my first car, it was a, a 67 HR Holden and I still, actually, still have it to this day. And uh, it was the... The cheapest, toughest car that I could find, you know, a budget of four grand. So when you've got a passion for old cars, the old Holden was the go-to. Yeah, and and so what did your old man have? Like, what did you? What would be the first car you drove? Uh, the first car I drove, so it was a '66 Falcon Ute XR Falcon Ute, and it was a three on the tree. So it was learning in a three on the tree column shift manual was. It was an experience, you know. I stalled it six times down the main drag, but I got the hang of it eventually. And Dad said, if you could drive this, then you can drive anything. And it, it's kind of stuck since, you know. So drove the the biggest, oldest car, drum brakes all around, no discs, no nothing like that. It was a bit of a pig. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't have been the way. Yeah, my old man had a 59 Ford Custom line, and it was, um, it was a column shift manual. And, uh, yeah, it's another world. Yeah. Yeah, it's a the cars they're classics, and uh, I just sort of the passion kind of started there, and then the modifications came literally the next week after I bought the car, and 
Yeah, now it's uh, blown nitrous. It's it's not much left of the HR holding, to be honest. Is <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of like I said. I, it was my first car. Uh, I was I kind of fell in love with the old six, and so it's still still an old Holden two hundred two, but it's got blown uh, blower on the side of it, uh, all out the bonnet, nitrous. It's all it's all go bit of fun. What else have you got? Uh, do you, do you have a truck or? A- you're sort of just getting into the scene. Well, uh, yeah. So, so I I did have a mini truck. I think everybody in the in the bag scene. I think everybody's kind of touched base with the mini truck. It's a great, it's a great starting point to understand suspension and how everything works. Airbags. Uh, you know, not everybody can afford to buy a, their dream car straight off the bat. And working with what you got is kind of the roots of where customizing cars came from. Working with what you got. So. You know, watching all the guys in the mini truck scene, it's a it's a tight knit scene. It's uh, it was cool to be a part of. You know, I bought my first truck. It was a Hilux, bagged all around, sat on the ground. It was a a great car, all murdered out in black. I loved it. I'd buy it back in a heartbeat. I think it was great. But uh, yeah, moving on to bigger, you know, moving on with Steve's truck, it kind of, I don't know, the mini truck scene kind of, I don't know, sparked a bit of an interest there. So working with Steve, I think it was a great opportunity to sort of start our first build together sort of thing and going with bags and yeah, it was it's sort of, it's been fun. It's been a, a challenge and it's been fun. I've, I've, I'm enjoying it personally. Yeah, that's cool. And have you worked on a build with an engineer before or, or stuff you've done in the past, you've kind of just had a registered vehicle and freestyled it? Yeah, freestyled it. Yeah, and I've, this is the first time I've worked with an engineer. Mm. And it's it's a big learning experience, isn't it? When when you start to talk to the engineers and I guess understand why they want you to do something rather than just you know saying I oh, do that and you're like okay, it's I know I question my engineer every day. I'm like, why are we doing it like this? And then when he he spends the time and an effort and and explains all the physics of it to you, it, yeah, it certainly makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how they want things done as well. You know, you've got an idea in your mind and. You know, they, they put it to you in a, in a way you haven't even thought of before. So it's good to see how things should be done according to them as well. So you kind of, it gives you a bit more incentive on what needs, it gives you sort of a bit of an idea sort of thing on what needs to be done. Yeah. And and planning planning those things like 10 steps in advance, you know, knowing that, yeah, maybe I'm going to put a notch here, but what's that going to affect? Like, is that going to make it hard for my steering column or my headers or or how does that all work? We definitely didn't do that. We made a few mistakes at the start, <laughs> which uh, we've definitely we've learned. We've made a few um, one or two dollar big dollar mistakes uh, along the way. But I guess that's the first build, mate. And um, you know, it's been a challenge. We definitely uh, we we took on a build with a, a grand idea. I think Tom had a, made a better idea than I did when we first started this build because I think once I got a few months into it, I really realised just how much money and as well time that it takes to build a car, especially from the ground up. Um, you know, everyone does an engine swap in a weekend, but when you're doing chassis work, bags, fuel lines, airlines, you know, you got to, there's just so much involved in a fully from the ground up build car. And then you're replacing floors to, you know, panel repairs to, you know, all sorts of, you know, different ideas and different changes to a build. It just, it takes it to another level of time and and, and even money. So uh, it's definitely been a big learning curve and a, it was a big build for me to take on for the first time, whether with such little experience. So I'm really lucky to have Tom, you know, giving me his time and, you know, we enjoy it anyway. So it's been great. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of guys who will, you know, they'll, they'll bring a truck in from the States and then they'll, they'll personalize it. They, you know, they'll change the wheels or they might even change an engine. But like you say, 
you know, you, if you're dragging a truck out of a paddock and, you know, pretty much everything that's in it's no good, you got to rip it all out and, and literally start again. And, you know, you're almost like, you're like the, the engineers at Chevrolet who are, who are building a truck for the first time in a lot of ways, because yeah, you've got a body and you've got a chassis if you choose to use it, but it's, you know, you've kind of got this free choice of what suspension do I want and what brakes and what, what engine and, you know, diesel or petrol. And do you want to Julia or, you know, it's, so, it's, it's so cool. It's so cool. So take us, take us Steve to the point where firstly you decide that, that you want to do a truck, you know, you're probably sitting on Facebook looking at a heap of pictures or on Instagram or whatever it is. And, and you get this idea in your head and then you go on a bit of a chase and find something. Tell us the story. Oh, for me, it was, uh, I mean, I'll never forget when I uh, got on Facebook and uh, there was a picture of a bagged green uh, 51 Chev. You probably know it's 51 Hell, the Memphis Memphis Hell that that uh, chopped. It's now been chopped and had even more wilder customs done to it. And to be and look, I love what he's done with it, but I, I remember when it was first done and it had that big sled rear end and, and it just was, just the way it sat, you know, just it just interested me and sparked me. And I said, I've got to do a truck build. Like that was the car for me that changed me and, and pushed me in the direction of a truck. So then it was every night, me and Tom Facebook sharing on buy, swap and sells and, and, you know, whether it was Gumtree or eBay and check out this truck, check out this truck. And to be honest, I was lucky. I got it just as trucks were starting to take off. And, you know, you're paying upwards of six to $8,000 now for just a cab and guards that are in good nick, you know, like where when I got it, I kind of pinched it at a good time for three grand. And, you know, we, we had to drive into Canamble, you know, out real out west about 10 hours to actually look at this vehicle. And, um, you know, we did a bit of a boys trip away for the day to go out there, which was great. But, uh, yeah, definitely that uh, Memphis hell really uh, sparked my interest. And then when I finally got to see it in person, it was just, I was gobsmacked to see this thing, you know, sitting on the deck like it did. It just, I fell in love with trucks and I said, I need to do this. And, I, I wanted to buy one, uh, you know, finished. And then, you know, I, I started to think, well, you know, why don't I try and have a go at building one? And I did my research and, you know, Tom said, yep, he'd give me the hand to get there. And yeah, I, you should, my heart was beating out of my chest when I bought this car because I was so afraid of what I was doing. Was I doing the wrong thing? But, you know, um, yeah, the missus approved and she said, go for it. So I did it. I jumped on it as soon as she said I could do it. So... <laughs> And and was it drivable? Like, was it oh, shit, no. uh, still, or was it just? <laughs> no, it, was, <laughs> it, was complete, it was a complete truck. It was rolling. We even got it to wind over on the original motor, but there was there was nothing good left on it. The motor was all you know rusted out. The leads were all gone on it. It was it was too far gone. A little bit of rust here and there, but it was it was still a rolling truck. It was a complete truck, which is good. It's not just a a body on a half cut up rusty old chassis sort of thing. It was a, it was a complete truck, rolling truck. Masters. It was a, it was a big truck. It was a, it was, it would have been what close to, you know, five and a half meters long, if not longer, yeah, you know, yeah. it was those, and it had the big chassis rails. It wasn't the, it wasn't the halftime pickup. It was the, it was the big truck, which uh, well, the, the yeah. chassis is what? 225 mil tall by 75 mil thick. Big, yeah. Big chassis. Yeah. Open C5 mil was big. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I've got a few of them sitting here in the yard. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I love the patina on this truck. Cause you know, I'm a patina guy. Um, and you know this just spot on so was was there ever a moment in your life where you or the plan was to do all the bodywork and paint it or, or when you saw it like that you were just like no never never nah, no chance mate when i saw that truck I, when i saw it online i thought it was too good to be true to be honest just the way the patina sat on the front guards and just the just everything about it just 
it screamed me and um you know it was just one of those ones where it was I had to go and look at it you know it, I just knew that you know this was for me and I knew when I was driving 10 hours out there even if the guy wasn't negotiable I had the cash ready to go you know so yeah I never once have I thought about painting that truck and I never will think of it <laughs> yeah so now now you're like me you're gonna have this um bit of a challenge of matching up the rear when you, when you go to do yeah. that but uh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah um so so you get the truck drag it all the way home so at that stage you hadn't even built your shed yet had you no nah, mate it was sitting on an old concrete slab mate like when we first stripped this car you, you wouldn't believe how we had to set up we had this hilux four-wheel drive with a canopy dragged out the side over the truck in 40 degree heat and we're out there in footy shorts on a flat concrete slab pulling this thing apart and I said the time I looked at him, I said, mate, this truck ain't going to get done without a shed. So next thing I knew, I had to speak to the boss and she said, I said, do I need a shed? So she said, as long as her car can fit the shed, I could build the shed. So yeah, we had to, we sort of parked the truck for 12 months. Uh, I was buying things here and there um, for it, slowly getting parts ready for it while I built the shed. And uh, yeah, I built a hundred square meter shed out here and um, set it all up with all, you know, got the compressors and all the tools and, you know, everything now to rock and roll. And now we can work till hours of the night when we want to and get on the drinks and, you know, play truck all night. So it's been good. Yeah, a pretty special missus, mate. Let's you buy a truck and let's you yeah. build a shed. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, she's, she's looking at me from the lounge right now, giving me a little smile, going, don't think you're getting any money, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. As long as, as long as you've paid for everything already, it's okay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. So it was always going to be on airbag suspension? 100% mate, laying rail. That's the first thing I said to her. I'll never forget when the engineer came out and Tom looked at me and he says, do not mention about this thing wanting to lay rail on the ground. And the first thing I said to him said, I want to lay rail. And Tom looked at me and said, this guy's going to walk instantly, you know? And he said, oh yeah, that's that's fine. And Tom looked at me and I looked at him and said, yep, this is the guy we're sticking with. So, you know, look, to get it obviously on the road, you know, we're going to have to have it 100 off the deck with bump stops, but you know, if we want to be able to take the bump stops out and go to a show and put it down in the weeds and actually lay it out like we're building it and designing it to do that, you know, he saw the passion and the drive and, you know, these, the engineers aren't silly either. You know, they, they know what guys are going to do with these vehicles when, when they get them outside the shops. So, you know, he was pretty realistic with us, which was good to know. And, you know, it was, yeah, it's been, been pretty good working with him so far. Yeah. And, and how did you find your engineer? Was that someone that someone else recommended to you or you, you just did a bit of a Google search or? <laughs> Oh, Tom can tell you this part. This one's a good uh, one. Tom, Tom actually dealt with him first, which wasn't so pleasant. So yeah, is <laughs> a yeah. Is his shop's just around the corner from my workshop, and uh, so I just went around there one day because, like I said, I was in the mini truck scene for a while and wanted to get a, a truck engineered. And yeah, he showed me the door pretty quick before he answered the, any questions. Um, He's not a mini was, truck man. He was not interested in mini trucks at all. Uh, but that's all right. You know, that's the that's everybody's each to their own. It, it's uh, it's not it's not a nice big Chev truck. It's not a hot rod, so whatever. But uh, anyways, he showed me the door, and that was the end of that. But um, he was very interested in in anything else we had to say. Really, he's given us the green light for everything we've done. Really, so you know, I must have caught him on a bad day because he's been pretty helpful. Otherwise, yeah. I, I think that's important for people to understand is if if your engineer's not on board with what you want to do, he's not the right engineer. Like that's that's a pretty that's important right. thing, I think, because. Because otherwise, you're just going to be fighting him the whole way. If you got to convince him in, like, talk him into doing this, talk him into doing that. Like, I know I found an engineer where I, I haven't once heard him say no, but it's been okay. If you want to do that, then this is what we've got to do to make it happen, and and that's that's ideal, isn't it? 
Yeah, that's right. And so does does he come and check on your your stuff quite a bit because he's local, or or do you just shoot him some photos, or how does that work? So I've had him out twice now just to do you know two inspections on the build. Um, normally when I try and go to him to obviously you know bring bring photos to him and I can sort of talk to him in person because I find with an engineer when you send them a message they'll go for the safest and quickest answer for them to respond where if you're speaking to them in person and you're trying to explain what you're trying to achieve you kind of get your point across and I walk away more confident knowing that I've spoken to him and we've had that conversation face to face so um you know everyone knows obviously engineers aren't the cheapest either so I I, I kind of when I get him out I've got a list as long as my arm of questions that I want to ask um you know we Pretty much the, all we've done so far with the engineer is gone through chassis requirements and things like that. You know, things in regards to the truck itself, seatbelts to misters, things like that. He just said, look, let's get the chassis, make it a rolling chassis first, make that to where he needs it to be, and then we'll start going through the, the next level of obviously cab fit out and, you know, safety requirements like collapsible steering columns, um, all that sort of stuff, which I was aware of anyway. But, um, yeah, he's, he's been pretty good so far. So, um, yeah, he's been good. Yeah. And and you'd be happy at the moment. I I don't know all the details, but I, I'm seeing a lot of whispers about New South Wales engineers starting to really crack down on rebodied um, vehicles. So yeah, that's right. The fact that you guys are running, you're running an original chassis, albeit quite quite customised. But being on that original chassis, you just don't have to worry about any of that shit, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, the new rules are cracking down on the chassis on the body swaps. Um. Our, our chassis is, it's been pretty hard to work with. It's, it's good because we don't have to go through, jump through those same hoops. It's a bit of a different ball game sort of thing. But at the same time, the modifications required to the original chassis are pretty in depth. Like you need a custom one-off front end, custom rear, everything's a one-off build. And when you're doing one-off builds, you know, we're very fortunate that I got my workshops, a metal fab shop. So I can, we can draw things up on the, on a simple CAD program and uh, send things laser cut and, yeah, there's uh, there's been a lot of cardboard templates, a lot of cardboard cutouts. So it's been a bit of fun, but to get an OG chassis to the point of sitting the front bumper of a of a fifty Chev truck on the ground, it's it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a challenge, you know. And uh, it's been more challenging than we thought, but the outcome is very much what we're after, sort of thing, which is great. So uh, yeah, the, uh, the going off a bag chassis, it it does look a lot simpler though. We've seen a couple of them and. You know, we thought, wow, it's so much easier when it's all there already. You know, all you got to do is put the the body on the cab, the cab on the on the chassis, and yeah, it, lo- it looks a lot easier. But it's yeah. But I, to be honest, I'm glad that we just went for the we went for the original chassis. Like I I wasn't really keen on the HQ chassis. I know a lot of guys go the HQ, and look when you look at it for the old when the old rules were in, it was the way to go. But now it's the headaches to, to go through it is just. Is massive. You literally got to do all your chassis work as a HQ or you know whatever it might be or a WB you know build and then get it on the road and then go and take the cab off and do a body swap on it. It's it's the, the hoops they're jumping through. I know at the moment there's a bit of a petition going on to actually uh, challenge it to try and get these uh, laws reversed because I know guys that are 80% through their build and they're in trouble now because they're not they're, the trucks have been put under covers at the moment until they can work out whether they're they're throwing it in the bin and start again or whether they can actually keep pursuing their dream of building a you know body swapped Chev truck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, like I I would think the newer the chassis, the safer it would be. Anyway, to a degree, you know, like if you think a, a 2010 chassis, it's got to be better it's got to have better suspension it's got to be safer 
yet we're not allowed to put a body on it. It's yeah, it's. I I understand there's rules around it all, and you know we, we're going to have a chat with a few engineers soon, and and kind of, and just try and understand. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these rules are blanket rules. So you know, when we're talking about what we want to do, maybe if you look at it, it's not that big a deal. But when they they look at maybe a drag car or some other kind of class of vehicle, that's probably where they make their decisions. But yeah, it sure makes life hard. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely, 100%. And, you know, like I said, I kept it on the original chassis and I went and got a custom-built front end, which ended up being a bit of a headache because uh, we got the front end under there and the car still sat 100 mil off the ground, which then uh, we scratched our heads and said, look, we're going to have to notch the front end. So I've got a, a massive, you know, 450 mil Z notch in the rear and a, and a you know, 150 mil flow notch in the front. And people go, well, that doesn't look right. And I said, well, it doesn't need to be because that's what I want to build. And that's the beauty of doing your own build is me and Tom – we look at something and we draw it and we come back and go, how can we make it different? How can someone come out there and go, oh, that shouldn't be like that. Why is that like that? And, you know, everyone's doing standard four links and standard, you know, you know, jag, jag front ends, jag front yeah. ends and things like that. And they're getting, you know, uh, not, you know, just diffs out of wherever and just making them work. And I'm trying to go for that next level build. And I've got a one-off built nine inch, which I'm doing at the moment. Uh, the custom rear end, I couldn't, couldn't get a better guy, disguised customs um, up in the central coast. Like, well, he's an absolute gentleman. He came to my house, got out his computer, drew everything, showed me every part of the geometry of this build. He was there for five and a half five hours. Five and a half hours, drawing it all up. You know, he came out, everything's laser cut. Oh, sorry, CNC cut, I should say. Uh, he welded it all up and it was probably the first part I bought that it just pushed all in together and it was, we had the, we had the rear end done in two hours. <laughs> yeah. It was a brainer in my eyes. No, that's awesome. That's that's the way you want it. Yeah, I, I mean, you're running a big block Chevy, so I don't think a, a Jag front end would have would have held up real well under that sort of weight. No, the engineer specified that. Yeah, he he said that was no good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he did. So, when when you say laying frame, um, now I know the side steps on these things sit below the frame. So, uh, are we laying side steps or are we laying? We're chassis. laying frame, man. We're laying chassis, man. What we've done uh, is we've actually, because you probably know yourself, is on these big trucks, the guards hold are actually hold up the chassis as well. So we've actually cut a section out of the guards and and reduced them and brought them up to the level of the chassis. We've we've actually got to cut the steps down and bring them up right under the door or under the doors themselves. So uh, the plan is, is when this thing's laying frame, we mean it's going to lay frame. And I think it's going to give it a whole new look to, you know, when you sit it next to another bag truck that, you know, we're, we've got that extra 80 mil, which is going to give it that really awesome stance. And, you know, I, I did my hunting around and I bit the bullet and I bit the wheels from America and got the Detroit Steelies and imported them, which uh, I, I learned out the hard way about import tax. They got me good there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me three grand wheels cost me five grand by the time I got them in with tyres. So, um, you know, um, which uh, was a big hit. But, you know, it's, it's the look I wanted and I, I'd never look back because uh, – it, yeah, we we ended like, but like I said, with the with the truck itself, we we cut the guards down. Um, we brought the steps up underneath, so we are actually laying rail because, like you just said, we every single chef bloke I talk to, they say to me, "How hey, you can't lay rail?" And well, mate, we are. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. You you got to build it the way you want it. You know, that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah when when right. when you're when you're dragging it down the road, you want it to come off the rails, not off the body. So you know. <laughs> So, so tell us about the motor. What what are you running? Uh, at the moment, so I, well, the, the goal was actually just to get a 350 Chev and the, the big block turned up just, it was meant to be. A guy was trying to sell it and uh, 
it just sort of fell into my lap. But it's a it's a four six nine big block, um, eleven to one compression. It's got a massive uh, Lunardi Voodoo cam. Um, so I bought it from a gentleman in the Central Coast who built it for one of his own builds, and you know, uh, just the, the build never went anywhere. And um, we went out there with uh, to go and have a look at it, and yeah, I think he thought that we were just some young punks with tire kickers. And then when I turned up with a, a bag full of cash to actually inspect it, he was just shocked that people had money to buy it. So, uh, you know, after I bought it, I spewed out the front and the side of the car pretty much saying, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I, bought, I bought a big block that's spent a third of the budget, you know, straight away. And then, um, you know, we didn't even look at it. I, You know, we were driving back and Tom's saying, mate, we didn't even see if there was pistons in this thing. You might pull this thing out and find that there's nothing inside of it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I ended up getting it back and um, I took it out to BG Engines. They do, they do a lot of big high-horsepower, big block builds, a lot of burnout cars really good guys they pulled it down told me everything i need to know about the motor there was a few little issues I had to change the high-rise manifold on it uh because it was a i've got an oval port head and it's a rectangle port manifold that was on it so i changed that around just to obviously for better performance on it and uh yeah they tuned it did a safe tune at 530 horsepower with 500 foot pound of torque at 5800 rpm so i was pretty happy with that for uh your first big motor i think that's a, a good entry level so i uh, I don't think I'm chasing too much more horsepower at the moment. <laughs> no, 20-inch tyres aren't cheap, mate. No, that's right. Well, interesting story about the tyres was, um, you know, I, I shopped around because I, I got the 11s in the rear and the 8s in the front. It was very hard to find a tyre that had the same tyre tread and, and profile. And everywhere I went, you know, everyone was, you know, quoting me $1,500 for these tyres. And all I could think was these these tyres are going to last, you know, a couple nights, you know, on a big night out with the boys and I'm going to be up for big money every time. And I found a, a little old gentleman out in Windsor and um, him and his wife, they were just a, a Goodyear tyre centre and I took the rims out and he measured them all up and he ended up coming back to me with, you know, these 315 tyres that fit perfectly on the rear. And then, um, you know, I, I think it's a, what was it? Uh, a 245 for the front. And uh, they got the same roll height, the same tread pattern, and it cost me 550 bucks for all four wheels fitted and balanced. So I yeah. bloody laughed. I was laughing, yeah. So did you buy about six sets of rears just to put on the shelf? <laughs> nah, I thought about that, but I thought it's a bit of time. At least I know what the brand is and uh, what I've got to go for next time. So uh, I'll definitely be stocking up on them later on. So. <laughs> Yeah, cool. And and did that come with a tranny or, or what are you doing there? Are you you running an auto or a manual or what's the plan? Yeah, so the plan was to run a turbo 400, uh, fully manualized. Uh, I ended up going out to Shiftrite out at North Richmond. Really nice guy out there, Steve. Uh, he builds a lot of drag boxes. And like I said, everything that's going into this car besides the cab, you know, the, the goal is, is that this is going to have the best of the best. And that, that's what I've always wanted. It's the way I kind of do uh, life is I want to obviously get the best that I can and, and not muck around. And I don't want to be driving this down the coast and find that I've got a tranny that's, you know, shit itself halfway up the coast and got to get this thing towed everywhere. So I saw Schiff right. Uh, we, we booked in the Turbo 400, went to go get it built, and I sent him the motor specs and he said to me, mate, this this thing ain't going to ain't gonna work. He said, if you want to drive this down the coast, he goes, you're going to be sitting on four grand at, uh, you know, kilometres an hour. So I... Uh, I spoke to him and he said, "Look, let's go, let's go the uh, 4L80E." And he explained to me about the 4L80E with the overdrive. And mate, I jumped straight on board. And I didn't realise that the transmission was going to cost about double. <laughs> but um, so I ended up just buying a casing at the moment, just so we can get all of our transmission mounts made up and all the you know K members set up. And you know, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm running a 4L80E. Uh, it's going to have a four and a half thousand stall in it. 
fully manualized. So, you know, just a, I, I want it to be automatic, but I also want to have a bit of fun. You know, I like the idea of being able to select my gears and, you know, enjoy the power that's behind the, behind the beast. Uh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> so every time there's a budget for an item, it, it gets a little bit stretched. Every time. Every time, man. <laughs> so like, oh, I'm happy to talk figures. Like, mate, I probably have close to 40 grand in this already at the moment. And when you look at it, you know, for the guys that build cars, they can see that. For someone that walks in off the street and says they look at that and go, what are you talking about? Like, where's that gone? And, you know, when you look at all the different parts, I've got brand new guards sitting up in the rooftop of the of the shed. I've got, you know, motors. I've got transmission suspension parts. I've got, you know, interior parts, uh, you know, everywhere. And, you know, the, the goal was to build this for around the 50000 60000 mark, and I'm, I'm now starting to look at it and go, well, by the time it's probably on the road, I, you're probably going to be not much change of a hundred grand, but... You know, I guess it's part of the dream and enjoying the the ride. And you know, once it's done, it'll be perfect. So that's all I care about. That's right. People will still ask you when you're going to paint it. Yeah, <laughs> I hate that. Oh god, I hate that question. You know, I'll put the chrome rims on it. You know, the plan Just was get the, a sticker made up. Yeah, get a big sticker made up. That's what we've said. You know, and you know, we everyone said, oh, you know, you're going to paint the rims, and I've got these beautiful raw steel rims from you know Detroit Steelies, and I. They sat out in the weather a bit and they've all patinaed up and I actually quite like the patina look on the rims now. So I'm even thinking about just clearing the rims with all the rainwater rust spots all over it. Just, you know, be a bit different than the high gloss. But, uh, you know, like I said, when yeah. we, when, once we finish the chassis work on this, um, it's going to go in for powder coating. It's going to be a, a very nice uh, maroon, uh, dark maroon, very dark maroon chassis. And then obviously all the suspension components, control arms, um, box, the motor is going to be all painted black and maroon, you know, gloss black control arms, so on and so on. Um, and, you know, the plan is, is that I'll roll this up and you go to put it on a hoist and you'll see an old truck and you'll look underneath it and it'll it'll be a diamond, mate. And that, that's the goal for us anyway. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, if, if you if you can get like a good rust rust killing product for those rims and then you can actually do like a clear powder coat. So you oh, could, yeah. you could, yeah, powder coat it and keep that that finish that'd be a pretty trick looking rim yeah that's what i'm thinking and people go you spent so much money on them why would you let them rust and i said mate that just that just excites me you know rust <laughs> excites me i've got to admit there's been a few times there where we found a few unfriendly rust holes in the truck and i've i've gotten overwhelmed and tom said mate it's nothing a grinder in a world i can't fix so it's been have great having tom here like you know tom uh, keeps me calm throughout the build when i've i see uh as soon as i see a rust hole i see another another dollar sign and i'm and I'm panicking and, you know, Tom being, being the gentleman that he is just looks at it and goes, it's just another job to add to the list. So we add it to the whiteboard and uh, we just keep moving on. Once you own an old Holden, then you know the meaning of rust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's nothing. Like I was a vehicle bodybuilder by trade and I've seen a fair share of rust, mostly in land cruisers, to be honest. But, yeah, rust doesn't scare me at all. Yeah, you, you soon know about windscreen surrounds if you've got a land cruiser. It's exactly where it is. <laughs> yeah, that's where mine is, is in the windscreen. So we didn't see it until we pulled the windows out a few months ago. And uh, I said, oh, look at this, Tom. And I was, I was overwhelmed. I sort of, I was so worried about losing the patina finish. And now, we're not, now I'm not worried. Now I know how to fix it. But it's crazy. Just Google, mate. Google and YouTube. The amount of stuff you can just learn just by researching. You know, I get home from work after pulling a big day. And the first thing I do is I get on YouTube. I get on Facebook and just look at what other people have done and get different ideas, watch a few videos, you know. Um, that's where half these guys pick up their, their trades is, is learning from videos and other people. So Yeah, and you know, like you you're active on the Facebook pages and and you know, you, you ask a question and, and you get an answer and, and there's so many guys out there, you know, you've got guys like Rob and and 
they've done this a hundred times. They've they've just turned trucks over and and they've tried to fit this panel on before, so they know if it'll fit or not. And and I think people really need, you know, it seems sometimes like the same people asking, you know, like there's there's just everyone asks the same question over and over and over, and it frustrates me. I'm like, just use the bloody search function. That question's already been asked a hundred times, but. The, the great thing is everyone's happy to answer it a hundred times. You know, it's a really good community on these pages. That's definitely, man, the Chev community. I've, I've never felt more welcome. Rob's been amazing. Um, I've asked him some random questions late at night. I'm just waiting for him to say, mate, can you leave me alone? The other one's uh, Coop's Customs. I mean, Adrian Cooper, for a guy, like, he has his own business to run and, and he actually talks me through doing stuff. Like, I, I had an issue with getting my steering column out and, you know, he talked me through it through Facebook and I'm on the phone and for a bloke that's running his own business, you know, he doesn't have to do that. And, I kind of found when I first bought the track, I actually, you know, went to a few big custom name shops and, you know, unless you had the money there to, to talk to them, they weren't interested. But in the Chev community, like, mate, everyone's got time. And, you know, between um, between Adrian, between Rob, um, yourself, there's been, you know, an overwhelming amount of information that I've been able to take away and, and even pass on to other people. Um, I must have had six random people from Facebook turn up to me shed now just, just to come out and see the build just so they can brainstorm their own ideas. And if it means that it gets another Chev truck closer to the road, then I'm all for it because I'd love to see these out. I like like the idea of having these big meets like they have in America where we've got, you know, you know, a thousand trucks, you know, old school trucks, whether it's Chev, Ford, you know, for me, I don't discriminate if it's from the fifties or sixties or forties or thirties, mate, I'm, I'm all for it. So, you know, we need to definitely uh, encourage that, uh, you know, to come out more in Australia because it's, it's a dying art and, you know, in Australia, it's just not that big at the moment. It'd be great to see, you know, more of these old school nostalgic hot rods coming out. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting bigger and bigger. Like I, you know, like you say, you know, you got your truck just before the prices all went a bit crazy. And, you know, I, I did something similar. I, I paid 2750 for my truck and I've since bought a few more. And, uh, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to find it on the farm yourself, then you can normally get it at a better price. But if if you're on if you're in the marketplace trying to buy one, then yeah, you, you're five or six grand, and sometimes they're in they're in pretty rough condition. Guys are still wanting that sort of money, and and they seem to be excited. At, oh, it runs, you know, running truck. It's like <laughs> who cares? Who cares? No one's going to use that motor. Like yeah, they want two grand for a motor that doesn't work that you're not even going to use. It's just a paperweight sitting in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, you know, okay, maybe every now and then someone will use that and, and they're going to do a, a genuine restoration. But even if, if I restored my truck to 100% original, I still wouldn't want to drive it. It'd be fucking horrendous. So it's, you know, what, what most of us are doing is a resto mod where we're trying to take that cool look and put all the, you know, more modern um, handling, disc brakes, a powerful engine. We don't want to be in second gear going up a hill. Like I am in my Land Cruiser, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, that's that's cool. So you're gonna you're gonna put just a tub on it. It'll pretty much look like a US 3100 pickup. No, so the look, I actually wanted to go short there, but you know now I'm actually looking at going a bit longer. I'm gonna put a custom wheelbase. Uh, the plan is to go probably a custom wheelbase. Uh, well, it is now a custom wheelbase. I shouldn't say that it is. You know. I do like the short beds. I fell in love with the short beds, but you know, Tom's been slowly twisting my arm to look at these, you know, longer length, longer length bed trucks, and actually probably going to make it a bit longer than factory just to, you know, give it that more customized look. But the goal is to keep it looking as original as possible, but you know, with a few tweaks where people know that it is a custom, and you, you'll know when it's coming down the road with the big block coming down the road anyway. But you know, uh, the plan is 
to to yeah, do a bit longer a longer uh, tub, but keep the tub looking factory as possible. But with the big rims in the rear too, we're going to have to stretch the guards. There's there's going to be a bit of fab work going on in the rear end there, but you know it's all part of the build, I guess. No, you're lucky. I've got Julie's to deal with. Mate, we were going to go Julie's and we decided not to. It didn't make time. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was talking to the engineer and trying to find out what, what diffs, looking at dyno diffs and, yeah, looking at all kinds of things. But it was, it was just the doing the fab side of things and the cost side of things. I think uh, – and Steve was just after the like, – like he said, the stock standard look. You know, so to achieve that with Julie's, I think it was a bit too – too much to chew off on our first build sort of thing, you know, maybe, maybe later on in life we could re revisit that avenue. But um, yeah, it's just one of them things where it wasn't really achievable for what we'll try the look that we're trying to, to, to sort of look at, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's plenty of um, 3,600s and 30, you know, 3,800s that are, they got a really good looking, um, you know, especially when they're slammed, it doesn't matter if it's a long bed or a short bed. I reckon they look awesome. I, I basically set the wheelbase on my truck. I, I measured wheel centers exactly to a US one ton uh, pickup truck. So I, when I went on my trip to America to, to try and get all the parts, I was, I was hoping to find a long bed tub that was the correct red patina. And I just wanted to bring the whole thing back and plonk it on there. But they're just, they're so rare to actually find in good nick that uh, I've ended up, I'm just going to have to build it. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. It's going to be a longer wheelbase and, I think I even have to, I'm going to widen my bed hopefully about three or four inches on each side so that so that it sort of almost covers the first wheel on my Julie's and then tub it out and then have to widen my guards as well. So it's going to, it's going to be big once it's, once it's going. It's cool. That'll, that'll look mad, yeah. Dude, that's, that's exactly what we wanted to do and I was going to stretch, stretch the tub out so it looked like the original guards were just covering the outside wheel and then when you actually got close to it, you just saw these monster big Julie's under there and you know, like I said, we looked at it and, and yeah, like I just couldn't get a wheel that I, the look that I was looking for, you know, with the Julies, they're all truck style wheels. And I mm. want more the Detroit Steelies or, you know, the flat Steely look. And yeah, we ended up just going the other way around. And um, Plus, uh, the engineer was, the engineer was kind of saying with the, with the wheel, wheel track at the front has to be in a certain percentage in the rear and E equals MC squared. And so we decided not to go that way. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of restrictions even on what offsets, how much you can change an offset from original. And yeah, I I'm running C30 suspension on my truck, so it's run. It goes off what the the C30 Chev had rather than what my original truck had because that's what the suspension is. So yeah, it's a it's a nightmare to work it all out. But anyway, we're not talking about my truck. So um, let's let's think about if we go back to the day you got at home again and you you're out there and you footy shorts in the sun if you had your if you had your time again what what would you do differently would you would you make any changes or what what words of wisdom can you give to the guy that's that's just about to buy a truck yeah mate for me it would be do your research and make sure that you on the parts that you're looking at buying especially suspension parts don't cheap out so you know i i made a mistake i bought a front end i bought the cheapest front end i could find uh, because I was trying to do it on a budget. And then I realized, you know, a front end is a key component of to a car, making it safe, making it roadworthy, making sure that it, you know, sits the way you want it to sit. And, you know, don't get me wrong, the, the front end was great. It was built to suit the truck, but then we had to make a lot of modifications to actually make it fit where, you know, for an extra 1500 bucks, I could have probably got a front end that would have slid straight under and we would have put it straight in, you know, for anyone that's out there doing a Chev truck build, uh, 
you know, if you don't know your body work and your fabrication, you know, you, you're going to be up a uphill battle when it comes to finance. I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, the dollars I threw out, you know, before was, you know, that's us doing majority of the work, especially chassis modifications. Like there's, there's big money in chassis modifications with uh, shop builds. And, and I, I, I understand the prices now because the, the labor and the hours of design and, and just the fabrication to get them to where they are, it's, it's justified in my eyes. And um, like I said, I would, I'd never do anything differently. You know, it was all a learning curve. Now I know everything about independent front suspensions. I know everything about the rear suspension and triangulated four links and, you know, putting in sway bars and, you know, about your notch sizes to fit 20-inch wheels and things like that. So, you know, look, mistakes suck, but you don't learn unless you make mistakes. So, you know, these mistakes that I've made, I've, I've taken them on the chin and and it's made me a better builder in the in the long run. And I've been able to give that knowledge on to other people, you know, even in this conversation now to, to other people listening. Yeah, and, that, and that's... That's the reason I'm doing this podcast. You know, you sit on Facebook and you see, like I was saying, you see the same question come up a lot. And and there's so many of us that you can only put so much information in a Facebook post. So I thought if we can sit here and talk for an hour about, you know, what you've done and what you've learned, and then we'll talk to the next guy and he he might have used a, a HQ chassis and he might be totally happy with the way his has worked out. So it's, you know, it's everyone's doing, you know, something custom, which is why we're doing it in the first place. And no, it's that's cool to hear. Well, the, biggest thing I can, the biggest thing I can say to people out there is if people say you can't do it, use it as inspiration because people told me I couldn't lay rail. People told me I couldn't use the original chassis and make it look as good as a HQ chassis. You know, people told me I couldn't get a big block engineered and I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that and you know what, I'm doing it. So, you know, I'm trying to just, you know, do what I want to do, build it the way I want and, you know, don't be afraid. You know, there's there's a million people out there that are willing to help. Like I've had guys off Facebook who I don't even know that have come out and they've given me a hand for half a day doing something on my truck or giving me, you know, that advice and that guidance because their passion is 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 the same as mine. And I get like you said, it's like a community out there, which is it's a really good community and I'm really lucky to be a part of it. Hmm. And what what's your what's your trade, Steve? I'm a plumber by trade. So uh yeah, took up the the family business with uh plumbing and uh yeah, never looked back. So that's what's allowed me to fund this build, I guess. It's uh, you know, just being in the trade and being, you know, at the moment, trades are sort of the the backbone of Australia. I like to think at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a plumber by trade, but yeah, it's been good. Yeah, and and Tom, you know, has he had a crack at welding? Have you let him you let him get past the uh, the gas axe phrase welding on the plumbing was, or what? I happened? think he was. I think he was dreading that question, wasn't he, mate? <laughs> uh, no, yeah. not on the chassis work. No, no welding whatsoever. <laughs> No, he's uh, he's had a fair go at it. I've um, I've actually been pretty impressed. You know, for someone that's like you said in the plumbing industry, welding is not exactly what they do. So um, it definitely shows. But at the same time, he's come a long way. And yeah, I trust him to weld up a, a lot of a lot of work on that truck. So he's he's come a long way. I let him have a go. You know, and it's it's what you you know you need to have a go. Like I sucked at welding when I first started. I, I love cars. I got into the scene into the metal industry because of my love of cars. So I can you know, understand the ins and outs of metalworking. And um, so I, I guess with my experience, I, I used to be a crap welder. And then the more you do it, the even though you do a crap weld, you need to keep going. If people tell you your weld suck, you know, you just need to keep practicing. You've got to keep going, keep going, and then you get better. And then uh, Steve, I like Steve well because at the end of the day, the more, the more experience you have to it, the better you get with it sort of thing. So... You no, know, he's come a long way from someone that doesn't know, you know, he didn't know how to weld from the start to now he's actually laying down some nice welds. And, uh, yeah, it's he's, he's going good. I definitely learned the hard way the first time, uh, 
you let me weld in short shorts and no shirt. And I, the next morning I woke up like a tomato and I literally was in tears like I could barely walk. And, and he just pissed himself laughing at me saying, oh, well, you shouldn't have done that in shorts and bloody half a shirt. And I was like, oh, mate, I, I learned from then long sleeve, long pants, mate. So it's definitely been a learning curve uh, since the start of the build. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't matter how long you've been welding for, you still burn yourself. I, <laughs> I, I, did, I did a job for a mate not too long ago and, you know, I was just in the T-shirt and the welding glove and, you know, bam, 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 and probably ended up being about an hour and a half of welding. Um, and, you know, next day it's like, oh, Jesus, my, you know, my arm was bright red and then it blistered and peeled up and it's like, I know better than that. I've got a, I've got a welding sleeve sitting right there on my welder and I didn't even put it on, you know, so, yeah, no, it's fun and, and it, until you until you try and uh, weld a panel and actually warp it and fuck it up, you don't really understand why you don't weld it like that. You know, there's only one way to learn that lesson, and that's to do it. You can watch it on YouTube, but until you stuff something up and then you have to go back and fix it, that's when it sinks in as to why you do or don't do something. You know, yeah, mistakes are the best way to learn something. I found it's a costly exercise, but at the same time, you will never do it again. <laughs> so. Uh... Like with panel work, we have we haven't done too much in panel work at the moment, but yeah, I think I think I'll do most of that, eh? Yeah, yeah, I'll let him do that. You know, <laughs> the floor to do. That's pretty much the only rust in the whole cab. So all my cab corners were good. Um, I had a little bit of rust in the sill, the window sill, the front one. But other than that, um, I was really lucky with rust in the cab so far. So it's uh, hopefully not going to be too much panel work. And look, the dings and scrapes. A lot of people say, oh, you got to pop them out, but. To be honest, I love the dings and the scrapes. I like the fact that it's got a little ding in the guard here and there. It just it just shows its age. It shows where it's been in its life. And you know, I'm I'm going to keep every ding and scrape that I can. Well, it's an original truck, a one owner family truck with original miles. So it's yeah. it's come from one family, an original it's owner. Never been registered. The guy bought it as a farm truck and never registered it. So it's got thirty thousand original miles. And yeah, I asked him about whether it was registered, and he said, "Mate, we've never registered. We we bought it back in the day and drove it to the farm, and it never left." it's <laughs> great that's crazy and so so what's your plans are you, are you gonna are you gonna full register and daily this thing or is it going to be a, a a club registration what are you planning so the plan i'd love to do full full rego um i like the idea of daily until i probably go for the first tank of fuel and then it's going to become a monthly um so uh look to, to be honest uh, yeah like i don't know just yet. look I, definitely full rego that's, that's the goal you know it comes down to with our engineer and obviously getting it every every box tick that we need to get tick to to get it to there, you know I definitely want to run a big fuel cell because I, my goal is to be able to drive this down to you know halfway havocs and the ECCs and you know the, these club meets that they are running for the the bagged and lowered cars out there to to obviously show it and you know it's always uh, a bit of a dull moment when you drive past this guy that's got a you know brand new Dodge Ram with this fifties truck on a trailer driving it down the road and you think well. You know, I'd rather be in the in the Chev truck, you know, driving it down to the show than towing it. So the goal is to go full rego. Yeah, I know here in Victoria that it, you need a road weather either way, so it doesn't matter. The vehicle has to be the same spec for us to be regoed or you know, club rego. So yeah, you you may as well. Hey, around it in New South Wales, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's ways around it everywhere, but it's whether it's legitimate, you know. Oh, of course. We don't, we'll bleep that bit out, yeah? <laughs> yeah, but I, I've said from the start with my truck, you know, I, I want to I wanna happily drive my truck and park it right out the front of the police station and not worry that I'm going to get a canary, you know. Like, that's yeah. that's always been my plan because 
you know, I've spoken to so many guys at car shows and they've imported a truck from the States and their mates done a dodgy roadworthy and they got it on, you know, they got a, a club rego somehow and, you know, they're running, they're running pretty, pretty average kind of airbag gear that's, that's would never pass a roadworthy here in Australia. And, and they're just ro- driving around hoping they don't get pulled up. And it's like, that's great until you actually do get pulled up or you have an accident and you hurt someone and then you're in a world of pain, you know? Yeah, definitely. And then you even look at like these guys, you know, they're driving around with, you know, big blowers hanging out the bonnet. And you people look at them and go, how do they get these on registration? And, you know, a lot of people do go see their old mate that's got the dodgy blue slip just to get it on the road. And, you know, I know a lot of guys that have actually imported cars from America and they actually haven't passed roadworthy over here and they've had to do that. And to be honest, if these laws don't change back and revert, you're going to have a lot of guys with HQs, you know, and, and Rodeo swaps and Hilux chassis swap bodies and things like that that are three quarters of the way through their build that are going to be forced to make that decision to to go down the non-legitimate way to get it on the road because they purely just can't afford to to backtrack and start all over again. Yeah, yeah, that's a danger for sure. What about travel, mate? Have you have you been overseas and sort of been to a truck show or been to SEMA or, or what's your sort of history that way? I've been to Sydney, you know, that's about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, I'm not a traveller. Like, oh, like oh, I've been to Queensland for like a day i flew up there and flew back the same day went to movie world for the day with the missus just for fun and then flew back the same day um went to melbourne a couple of times but now i'm a born and bred western sydney boy and yeah i'm a bit of a worker a bit of a workaholic so I kind of work six days a week most of the time and uh and i guess that's what allows me to do this build in the in, in the spare time anyway but um yeah just no for me no no travel just been cruising out west in sydney that's it <laughs> yeah what about you tom you been anywhere uh, no, mate, no. I've the, the typical Australian, you know, save up all your money and then spend it on a house, you know, so no money to go anywhere anymore. So it's sort of, it's, it is a dream of mine to go overseas and see all the truck festivals, like all the truck shows and all the all the stuff over in America because at the end of the day, that's that's where it's at, you know, they're leading the industry at some, in, in some cases, you know, and it's good to see where where people are taking the industry and, and how people are getting things done nowadays and the technology involved, it's just... It's out of this world, so it'd be great to go over and see how things are done. You know, like we're just entry level builders at the moment, and it'd be nice to see how people who have been doing it overseas and they're just pushing the envelope that much further. It would be cool to go over there and see how things are getting done. And yeah, it is a dream of mine, but like I said, it's uh, realistically, you know, owning a house in Sydney is not exactly, uh, you know, it's not exactly going to get me over there. No, well, it's a good thing you're just young blokes. You got plenty of time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What what about social media? Like, do you guys are you on Instagram, Facebook? Where where can someone come and, and sort of have a look at the truck and the build and, and follow what you're doing? Ah, uh, look for, for me anyway. Um, I'm not on Instagram. I'm just on Facebook. So you just got to look up Stephen Mazik, mate. I'm an I'm an adaholic. So if you got a Chev truck in your display picture, mate, I add you. So I think I must have close to a hundred people with Chev truck builds in the in the build at the moment. And look. I, I love people asking questions and I love to ask questions. So, yeah, pretty much it's just me on Facebook. Um, the 47, the 50s uh, Chev page, I'm on that as well. I'm constantly posting up on there. The uh, Pickups Australia, I constantly like to put my progress shots up there. And, look, sometimes it's to, to show what I've done and, and, and show those achievements, but a majority of the time it's just to get people's opinions because uh, sometimes it's just nice to hear other people's opinions on how they've done it differently to how you're doing it or to even say, wow, mate, you've given me inspiration to do it that way as well. So, yeah, for me... It's just really Facebook and um, and just the Facebook pages that go around. What about your your business, Tom? Are you guys online? Uh, no, no. Uh, sorry, it's 
It's a bit of a family business. We do, uh, we just do a bit of fabrication. Uh, we're doing industrial fans out in Windsor. And uh, I just do a lot of side work on, on like Steve's truck and a lot of, a lot of side work, doing metal work, doing any kind of customization on trucks or cars for that matter. Anything that spikes me interest, you know, and um, no, I'm on, I'm on Facebook as well, just with Steve, um, to be honest, just Tom, Tom Brown on Facebook, but uh, yeah, no, it's, I don't really have much to do with social media, so but it's it's. I'm happy to add anybody that wants to ask me any questions on, yeah, it's on Steve's truck or any on anything else for that matter. But um, yeah, other than that, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, sweet. Well, it's been awesome having a chat to you boys, and uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to touch base with you maybe on a monthly basis. Um, I'm going to crack the whip and make sure you're getting some progress done and and see what you've been up to. So if you're happy to do that, we might have a few different builders that we catch up with on a monthly basis and, and just get an update on, on progress. Yeah. Look forward to it. Yeah, mate. Looking forward to it. And definitely uh, appreciate come having, spending the time out here, having a chat and uh, Matt, I'm more than happy once these things on the road to put 400 liters in it and come down to Melbourne and say hello. <laughs> <laughs> Probably 500. <laughs> yeah, at least you'll get it quick. doesn't matter. You know? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> quick when it'll be costly <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thanks for your time and um yeah look forward to seeing seeing the truck finally get on the road one day thanks mike uh, thanks mate well that's the show for this week thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode all information shared in our episodes is general and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build please remember to rate and review the podcast on itunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on facebook iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket, you'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.